Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we have Shane Carpenter on. We have had him on the show previously, but not since 2015. And I know he's been up to quite a lot since then. So I'm really excited to jump in and find out what he's been up to, what he's working on now. But before that, if you could please show the Night Colors crew some love, ring the notification bell and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Um, don't forget to leave a positive review if you love the show. If you don't, eh, just leave it alone. Um, just let me know. We have the Nightcallers archives going on right now. So we have um, older shows that we have been putting back into rotation. You guys go listen. Let me know if you love any of those guests enough to have them back on. All right. I'm not going to take too much of your time. We are going to go ahead and get Shane Carpenter back on. Hi, Shane. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? Fabulous, fabulous. This uh, cold front that came through is life right now. I actually, I walked the kids to the bus this morning and it was, it was kind of chilly outside. I was like, what is this? You know, it was nice. Uh, so I'm enjoying it. I'm sure the Bigfoot are enjoying it too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So we have already got some people going on in the chat. We've got Randy Harrington here supporting his bro. Uh, <laughs> Kansas can squatch. Uh, and then Lori Dyerhood, of course, the original Nightcaller. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here and uh, supporting Nightcallers and Shane Carpenter and his group as well. All right. So like I said, we had you on September 17th, 2015. That is back when we were a call-in show. So you would call in. I would run you through a switchboard. And then like, if you had really crappy signal, it was a really rough interview if that was the case. And then, but we made the best of it. It was a really great interview. So now that we have you back on and we can see your face, I'm going to go ahead and have you kind of restart from the beginning. What got you into this topic? Well, at uh, the age of 10 in 1984, I had a, uh, a sighting of, from about 30 foot away on my uncle's property outside of West Plains, Missouri. Uh, just a real random thing. Um, didn't, did, it didn't last very long. It was maybe a 10 to 15 second ordeal, but of course it, uh, you know, stuck with me for, for quite a while and kind of changed, changed some things about myself at that point in, in my life. You know, I didn't, at that point we, you know, we, I hunted as a kid and was learning to track and doing the, the, the country kid thing, you know, we played yeah. in the woods and, and after that happened, I just, didn't care to be in the woods. You know, I, um, had, had, I guess somewhat of a fear of the woods mm -hmm. and, uh, later on in 2013. And so I never had another thing happen after that and just kind of put that away lock and key at some point in my life. And, and, uh, 2013, my, me and my wife and kids went out for a hike and, um, I just, at some point during the hike, we were a couple miles out and I started uh, just getting some weird vibes and I tried to kind of tune into it and I stepped off trail and scanned the woods and there were four heads sticking up from behind a, a thicket basically. And I immediately turned my family around. We hiked out. Um, you know, I had to go through the whole ordeal of explaining to my wife what I'd just seen. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but telling her that I'd seen one of these things when I was 10 years old. And, you know, that was the hardest part of all this was right. hoping my wife wouldn't think I was crazy. You know, right? how did she take it? Um, she was actually very supportive. I'd, I'd snapped some pictures while I was, you know, back there looking through the woods and, and uh, nothing, you know, great and spectacular, but you could see these the, the domes of these heads mm -hmm. sticking up, you know, um, but regardless, she, she believed me. And, um, the next day that was on July 4th, or I'm sorry, July 1st, 2013. And the next day I was out there by myself at sunup. Um, I just decided I wanted to, I wanted to know what these things were, where they slept, what they ate, you know, if they had, they ran around in a family, if, I just, I'm a curious person. I read a lot and I, when I'm interested in a subject, I, I deep dive into it um, mm -hmm. pretty much no matter what the subject is. If I'm interested in something, I want to know everything I can about it. So that was kind of the, the jump off of the cliff was 
July 2nd, I guess, 2013. And, and I've been, I've been hard at it ever since. That's so, I mean, you pretty much knew what they were like you. Um, no, I didn't actually. Um, when I had my first sighting as a kid, I had never heard of them. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it, you know, back then at the time, I didn't know what I'd seen. Okay. I just, uh, when I explained it to my dad, um, you know, I just told him that I just came across this thing. It looked like a person, but was completely covered in hair and, mm -hmm. you know, looked like a, looked like a, an ape or something. And, uh, and that was it, you know, and later on in life, you know, I, I found out about Sasquatch and Bigfoot and, yeah. you know, seen things on TV and whatnot. But, uh, what happened in 2013 just blew me away. I, it was unexpected. Um, and, like I said, from that point forward, I've just been, you know, all up in it. I can't walk yeah. away from it. I just, I want to know more. And as, as we learn things, it's just not enough. You know, it's, it's just going to be a continued thing until I die. I think at this point. Yeah. I mean, even if we are, we, even if we come to a, they're verified type of thing, like the government comes out and they're like, Oh yeah, they're real here. You know, like they did with the aliens, even then, there's still so much that we don't know. So it is kind of like a never ending life quest for all of us who are passionate about it because it doesn't stop with found. It doesn't stop with proof or verified. Like we still have to find out, like you said, what do they eat? You know, what kind of family units do they have? And, um, and there's always, even if it, if it's verified and found, like it's, it's never, it's not going to stop there. So oh, absolutely. I agree. Uh, they could come out tomorrow and tell the world these things are real. And the day after that, I'll still be getting my hiking boots on and yeah. going to see what I can see. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so where did you go after that? Like, I know that you said, you know, you wanted to know all about them. How did you go about finding out more information about them? Well, I just, uh, I went out back, back <laughs> I went back Scary. to the same location and uh, sorry, that was my No, it's okay. I thought it was my dog and I was like, he's not even in here. How'd he bark? <laughs> it threw right. me. It's all good. Um, all my people love so, dogs. Good people have dogs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, um, I went right back out to the same location where I'd seen them off trail. And that's where I went into the woods at. And um, I just, you know, took off hiking and looking and, you know, scanning, looking for anything and everything I could. Um, I, I eventually, over a long-term period in that location for about two, two to three years, um, I investigated and researched and, and uh, was having, I was having visuals. I had a couple of juveniles that were toying with me pretty consistently. And you know, I set up a bait station and I set up a, a hike off trail hike and I just, I got to where every time I would go out there, I would do the same things. I would do my hike. I would set the bait station. Um, you know, I, I just, I wanted to be completely predictable. That was my, my whole thought process. I wanted mm -hmm. to be predictable to them so that they would ease up, um, in their tactics somewhat and, uh, and, and, or maybe even set, you know, uh, my, my thought was that if I was predictable, that they would use their tactics to maybe get ahead of me. Um, mm -hmm. And, to, you know, hiking the same route every single time right. allowed me to notice the differences mm -hmm. that, that were happening. And um, those things started kind of giving me ideas of where they were, you know, different areas that they would get ahead of me or different areas they would flank me and, and um, which eventually led to me visually seeing them. And uh, I actually, over over the two and a half year period or so, I saw four different individuals out there. Um, a possible fifth, but it was from a, the fifth one was from a distance and I, I never was sure if it was one of the others. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always just kind of held it at four. Um, and then eventually there was a, a young, young one that happened out and um i saw i got to see it one time and long story short you know i got to a point i took 
I'm an ex MMA coach. Um, at the time I had a fighter that was ex military. Um, he was a pro fighter, very, very driven, um, very calm and collected, you know, in, in, in crazy moments. Mm -hmm. So I thought he would be the perfect candidate to, to, uh, take out and like show my friend these things so right. that I could talk about it, you know, cause at that point I wasn't really talking about it with anybody because I didn't want to be the crazy Bigfoot guy. <laughs> and I had no proof, you know, I had no proof. I had some fuzzy pictures and stuff like that, you know, and, and, uh, pictures of tracks and things like that, but I had no real proof per se. So I took him out and he got to see them, but his reaction was different than I expected. He, he kind of went into panic mode and had a, had an anxiety attack. And, and oh, man. Uh, so I, I had to hike him out. Um, I mean, as soon as it, it was over with and uh, he wanted nothing to do with it. Didn't want to talk about it for a while after that. And I mean, he trained with me five nights a week, sometimes six, Yeah, and, uh, you know, for, for a few months at the gym, he just didn't even want to talk with it. It kind of, uh, kind of hit him at a point where it made him question a lot, you know, Yeah, it made him uncomfortable. And uh, mm -hmm. eventually we talked about those things and like, he'll talk about it openly now if you ask him, but he, he's not the guy to bring it up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm sure that rocked his world. I mean, most people it's, that's not supposed to exist. And something right. that big isn't in general, like the, it's just not supposed to be on this earth. And so when you have that experience, it can really mess up your, your whole mindset, you know, that mm -hmm. I was so, I was so driven to be able to express, you know, what was happening to me to somebody, um, that that day we, we actually chased, um, what was the young female at the time, a juvenile and he got to see her. But from that point forward, everything stopped. Mm -hmm. It just me giving chase, like ruined the whole situation. So right. I'd worked for, Worked for a couple of years really hard trying to, I hate using the word habituate, but that's basically what I was trying to do, you know, through the base station and, yeah. and, uh, and being out there consistently and, and, you uh, lost all your progress. Yes. It just ruined it. And, uh, it, it hurt my whole world for a minute, you know, cause I had, uh, I was so obsessed at the time, but looking back on it, it was, I think it was good to an extent that that happened because it allowed me to kind of have to take a step back. Mm -hmm. and uh and um kind of evaluate everything again and the time that i was spending doing it and things mm -hmm. like that. so things kind of went lackluster for a while and then i got asked to come check out a property a private property where a lot of weird stuff was happening and uh i got called in on that i accepted it i went out the next day and um, on the first hike on the property, the guy that took me out on the property, it was not the landowner, it was a friend of his. Uh, the landowner was kind of, uh, because of the things that was happening, he was a little spooked to go out on his property into yeah. the deep areas, these hollers where all this stuff was happening. And uh, so his friend took me out and his friend had done a little hiking and was seeing, you know, things that he thought was odd structures and things like that. And, and, um, he had seen one or had any interaction. And the first day he took me out, we spent about eight hours hiking the property and about five and a half, six hours into it. I, uh, I caught one following us and he got to see it also just the head, um, mm -hmm. he got to see the head sticking out from, from behind a, uh, like a, a big rock outcrop from about probably 60, 50 to 60 yards away, you know, so it wasn't a real detailed, visual that we got to see but like then and there you know they're here so yeah. that was um about six years ago almost and i've been out there ever since um it's a we we nicknamed the the property the 400 and mm -hmm. uh, that's where most of myself and randy harrington's research happens nowadays awesome um so quick question from the chat um, before it gets lost and we get off topic, Ken Squatch wants to know, did you wear the same outfit every time you went out to that property that you first mentioned? Not this property, but. I did. Absolutely. Um, that was part of the, my mental tactic was, you know, being predictable and wearing the same clothes every single time. So, uh, you know, after, after several times they, they should, you know, be recognizing me. Yeah. 
Okay. And then I had a question. So, you know, you had said that um, you wanted to reach out basically to another human and kind of share what was going on on the first situation that you had. Um, so did you reach out to any groups or any Bigfoot forums, chat rooms, anything like that? Because that's how things rolled back in the day. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I wasn't even on Facebook at the time. And um, I was, I'd actually, it was my wife who recommended that I check out Facebook. Um, she had, you know, been on Facebook a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was telling her one night, man, I wish there was like some groups that I knew about where I could, you know, go online and discuss these things or, you know, like, surely other people are having these experiences like where am i going to find these people and mm -hmm. she said well you know you should get on facebook they have groups so there's more there's most likely groups for that kind of stuff and uh so that's what i did i created a facebook account just for that specifically <laughs> and i'm not going to mention the first couple groups that i ended up in but uh i don't frequent those those groups anymore right. and i haven't in a long time but uh that was kind of my my first online you know, uh, venture into the subject and it's been, uh, you know, I don't get too, I try not to get too involved in the online stuff. I, I try right. to stay as focused as I can on the research itself. Um, you, know, you get on Facebook and everybody has their theories and opinions and like people mm -hmm. argue over this stuff yet. None of us have any, even been able to prove these things are real. Right. And they're right. arguing over all these other theories and these, all mm -hmm. these other possibilities. And right. so, me and Randy, you know, our whole idea is just to take a step back and prove these things are real first. Yeah. And anything we can learn along the way, and, right. uh, you know, through data in our data only. Um, that's that's basically kind of how we do things. Um, I try not to bring other people's theories and ideologies and stuff into my research just so that I can keep it data driven and and you know, kind of keeping a, a clean slate in my mind um, helps me to, uh, you know, like if we find a piece of evidence, I don't want to be thinking about two or three other theories while I'm looking at this evidence. You know, mm -hmm. I want to look at the evidence for what it is and only, only look at what that data set tells me. Right. And what it tells us specifically, you know, so that's kind of the approach we've taken and gets me in gets me in some uh arguments sometimes i don't really argue online or anything so right not that i do that but you know yeah. how it is online man like people just want to argue over all these things and uh yeah I don't, I don't care to do all that i just i just want to do my research and when we start getting good conclusive data we start talking about it publicly and mm -hmm. that's it yeah i've i've followed you guys for a while and kind of seen your post of when you do go out and you do lives or even just post of what y'all are doing out there. And, uh, you know, there's you, everyone has different research methods. So I am not part of any one group. Um, I've tried that before. It didn't absolutely uh, just not never again. Um, so I'm an independent researcher. I go, but I do go with other groups and I, while I don't want to be a part of their group necessarily, there are good things from each group that I can respect and appreciate. Um, you know, some groups are audio gods, like their audio setups are amazing. Other groups, their thermal setups are amazing. Um, but I really, you know, y'all's research methods, I would like for you to talk about your research methods, but I do know that you guys play music. Um, cause I, I saw that on there. And so can you tell me, has that been really successful? Uh, the music thing is actually not something we do often. Um, mm -hmm. I think I know the video that you're talking about. Um, yeah. Was uh, Randy the, was shirtless, I believe. Yeah. 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 He may, he may have been shortless too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did pick up some good uh, tips from Randy's um, <laughs> post during that camp out when he did. So he had the um, weed pump sprayer and he put the water from his cooler, the ice water from his cooler in that pump sprayer and hose down. And I remember showing my boyfriend, Ryan, I was like, look at this. That is so smart. I was like on a hot day. That's amazing. Like I, I thought that was ingenious, honestly, but anyway, that research method aside, because, you know, if you smell like a squatch, maybe it'll attract a squatch, but, um, the music, right. I, 
I have heard of it being successful and it kind of surprised me that you guys did that. I don't know much about your research methods to even be surprised, but I just want to know if it was, if y'all found some success with that. Um, we haven't, but like I said, we don't really, it's not really something that we, we try to utilize often. Um, that day, that particular day, um, we were just kind of in goofy moods and mm -hmm. it was super hot and <laughs> we may have been a little, you know, dehydrated and loopy. Um, yeah, but uh, it was just that day we were just in the mood to chill. We had just set up, you know, just got everything set up and whatnot, and you know it was hot, and we were kicking back and just decided to throw some music on and chill for a bit, you know. Yeah, but uh, right. not not one of our normal tactics. We okay. we like to um, oh god, like I don't even know where to start. There's just there's so many things that you know we purposely do and don't do. Like we don't do knocks and whoops. Things like that. Did it have bacon grease mixed in? <laughs> <laughs> they probably would have been more successful if it had. Right, right. Um, With I, some kind I, of wildlife. I am known for you typically having bacon at camp. So mm -hmm. the smell of bacon is a is a great thing for yeah. everybody. <laughs> for any any method. Um, right, right. So um, I know a lot of people, you know, focus more on night ops than day um, excursions or, you know, just what kind of, what is y'all's MO whenever y'all go out? So we do both. Um, I'm a night owl. I only sleep like four hours a night. So usually like I'm the last one asleep and the first one up, that's very common. So, you know, me and Randy, we have different skill sets. And, um, so mine's more into the tracking and finding physical evidence. Um, so during the day, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll get up. Like if we had activity, activity the night before, as soon as I get up, I'll, I'll work my way outside of camp slowly and, and work a perimeter out and out and out and, and, you know, see if there's anything that I can find, or I'll go to where, um, the things were happening, you know, and look for physical evidence. Um, Randy is, you know, like he's a thinker, he's obsessed with this and he's always thinking of, you know, new tactics, new ways to build cameras or recorders, you know, things like that. So um, that's kind of kind of where he sits with everything. And, um, you know, we do we do a ton of night stuff. Um, it's it's very common for for us to to be out until, you know, we may not go out and really start hitting everything until nine or 10 o'clock or later sometimes, but mm -hmm. you know, we may do that. If things are going good, you know, we'll stay up and stay out until it stops or, uh, till we, you know, till we just are exhausted and can't do it anymore. But, um, you know, uh, it's, it's very common for, for me to be going to sleep, you know, but just before the sun's coming up. So it's, uh, we do both. I mean, we're most of our really good, you know, it depends on what kind of evidence you like, you know, I love, mm -hmm. I love tracking and tracks and finding the physical evidence. So that's, that's you right. have to do that during the day. Um, but the nighttime experiences are, are, are awesome and exciting too. You know, we, we have, we have, um, some really nice handheld thermals. We have, a, a an Evo two thermal drone, um, that Randy picked up last year. And so that's our, you know, the main thing that we do at night is, is, um, at this location, we don't have to get too far from camp typically to, to have things happen. Um, yeah. and, and usually at this point, just because we've been there for so long, um, when things are going really good, we don't even have to leave camp. Like they'll come in around camp at night and, you know, we've, rec we've recorded them in our camp at night while we're gone, mm -hmm. uh, going through things on our tables, uh, not disturbing anything. Like you come back, <laughs> it's kind of an odd thing. Every time this happens, we come back and there'll be one thing out of place and that's it. And on the audio, you can hear them going through everything on the table, but mm -hmm. there's only one thing out of place. And luckily Randy's OCD. So if something's out of place, he notices it. Even if yeah. it's, even if it's a damn toothpick, they'll notice yeah. that, that toothpick wasn't there. And then, you know, <laughs> the light bulbs go off and we're checking our audio. And so it's, uh, you know, I've had, I've had, um, I was laying in the tent with my kiddos. This was at Falk. And I had something knock a box of Cheez-Its over. 
And I'll never forget, I thought it was a raccoon or something, but it was, it was weird because it was up on the table, kind of back, set back on the table. And I reached over and I popped the tent and I was like, go on. And I didn't hear anything run off. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And so a little bit later, I finally got the courage because I'm not the bravest person sometimes. Um, but I finally got the courage to peek my head out there and the box was sitting upright. And it had, it looked like it had never been moved, but I heard it fall over because it's very distinctive on a, you know, um, but it was crazy. It, it was sitting exactly where it was. And it was just almost like it had reached around the edge of the tent, knocked it over and then kind of set it back up and was like, oh, you know, so right. I don't know, but, right. but yeah, nothing had been moved, but I heard it fall over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, some of the things they do, it's, it, it really shows their intelligence, you mm -hmm. know, um, like we've had. We've had items taken from camp. Um, you'll think it's silly, but we had uh, monster coffees uh, that were coming up missing. And um, I don't think that's silly because I love coffee, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, we had noticed it, that, you know, we were missing some and um, and it just so happened that we had been recording and had some things set up, you know, to and hoping that they would come into camp. And uh, we caught a bunch of audio of them coming into the camp and we figured out it was them taking the monster coffees because the last thing that you hear on the audio before they skedaddle out of camp as we're coming back on the side-by-side -side was the lid to the cooler pop open and mm -hmm. drop down. And um, I looked and looked and looked for the can, those cans for months mm -hmm. and never found one. And out of the blue, um, one of the last times we were out filming with the film crew, uh, Randy spotted one of them and the can had been it, like it had been squeezed mm -hmm. so that the top would pop instead yeah. of opening it like a person would. Right. The can, the can was crushed and squeezed. Right. Um, which was interesting, you know. I was so. really hoping you would say that it had like a you know, like a bite mark and pop the top. Like it was, you know, shotgun in the can, right, but right, right, right. it's okay. That's not realistic, but it would have made for a, a really cool story. That's what I was going to say. It would have <laughs> been a cooler story for sure. Oh, I was going to say um, they're hiding the cans where they hide their bodies apparently because like, <laughs> the evidence just disappeared. Um, well, we, we know for sure that six of them, at least six of them went missing over mm -hmm. a, a couple day period. So they were probably shotgun and coffee to stay up with you guys all night. Cause apparently, you know, they're like, that Shane guy's back. I got to pull an all nighter, man. Right. Right. He brings the goods though. <laughs> yeah. He bacon and coffee. I mean, I would come to a camp out with bacon and coffee as a lure. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Um, all right. We had another question from Lori. Um, did you ever experience infrasound um, in conjunction with, with one of your sightings or experiences with them? Um, I, I don't know because I haven't been able to test for it. Um, okay. I, I will say that it's early on. This is why I quit like diving into the theories and wondering mm -hmm. so much about them is because I spent a lot of time when I could have been thinking about the, the basics and figuring the basics out. I spent a lot of time looking at some of these theories. The infrasound one in particular was interesting to me mm -hmm. because um anybody that's heard me talk about this stuff before early on, you know, there's a, like a feeling or a vibe that I would get when these things were around. Um, and my dad was actually infrasound sensitive. He was part of that 2% of the population that mm -hmm. is infrasound sensitive. He was, there was parts of the United States he couldn't drive through because it would just, he would, it would almost drive him crazy. The, the, hmm. the vibration and the low frequencies you could hear in his head. But, um, yeah. When I heard about the, the infrasound theory, you know, I thought maybe that's how I'm, I'm picking up or, you know, getting this, maybe that's why I'm getting these vibes. If my dad was, maybe I am just not to the extent that he was. Mm -hmm. So I kind of dove into it. Um, I've actually, I, I came up with a way to not only, not only know when the infrasound is happening, but to also record it. And I'm an ex-musician, so I kind of, you know, I understand audio and sound. Um, so the um, I've got a way that we could, if if we could know what's happening and we can capture it, I could take it to the studio, I could locate it, and we could up pitch it and actually hear what's going on there. Mm -hmm. But first, we have to know it's happening, 
right? right? So we know where to go on the audio without having to run this, run the audio through these scanners, you know, basically in the studio, you're, um, you're recording all these tracks, you know, different tracks and layers of the music and you're putting them all together. So there's a processor that all these tracks run through one at a time. And that processor locates the infrasound and below a certain level, it cuts, it cuts it out completely. Mm -hmm. um, if not, then when you put all those tracks together, that infrasound will conglomerate together and it'll start creating like vibrations and stuff in the speakers. Mm -hmm. So, so there's already a, a, a a way to locate it and capture it. And nowadays, you know, just with, with technology and stuff, you can literally, you can up pitch things without mm -hmm. changing the speed. So you could, if you can know what's happening and locate it and record it, then we could literally take it to the studio, up pitch it and listen to it. But um, the, the equipment that would have to be built to know what's happening, to let you know what's happening in real time in the moment, and then you would also have to have a recorder that will record below our hearing levels. So that's right? kind of the, because you have people like me, um, myself, my mom, and one of my fellow researchers were very sensitive to it. And it happens more often than not when we go out. So you have a human barometer that can identify when it's happening for you, but mm -hmm. the recorder aspect, um, you know, I chatted with Doug Kaichek about it, and he said that recorders nowadays, they naturally filter that out and don't pick it up. Uh, right, sound right. that low. Yeah, so. and, and, but you could, you would just have to have somebody, pro, you know, build it and program mm -hmm. the system to capture, to be able to capture those Or find one of the older recorders before they started advancing right. technology past picking that up. Um, right. Like the old right. school Olympus recorders. Yep. yep. Um, I talked to someone after I talked to Doug Highcheck. I talked to someone else about it, and they said that that recorder that used to be thirty-five bucks for that Olympus recorder that could pick that up back in the day, those are like three hundred dollars now. They're kind yeah. of um, and so anyway, but um, you have you know some human barometers that can tell you it's happening right now. So right, right. Uh, but I would I would love to catch that, like be able to tell you even if I could record it, if I had the right stuff and then send it to you even, or if someone else could record it and send it to you and have you isolate that, that would, I, infrasound's one of the things that I personally am very, very interested in because it happens to me so often and it's such a range of side effects from it for me. And so I would be very interested in isolating that and finding out kind of what's going on on the other end, or if, there, if it's a growl, if it's just a, what but it is over there so right and it's it's also possible i've, I've looked into it and talked to a couple people it, it's possible to um create a little piece of equipment that will register infrasound and and light up when mm -hmm. it's being with infrasound um so like it's possible for those that you know don't feel it or what have mm -hmm. you um it's, it's possible to make a piece of equipment that can detect it um, there are, there are some out there, but they're super expensive and they're, they're large, you know, so you would have to spend mm -hmm. some money to scale it down and whatnot, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I've looked into that actually. Uh, I've looked into those types of research mm -hmm. for the, for, you know, for that reason. So. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, you know, that would also be interesting on that scale of I'm feeling it and I want to see if that thing lights up and verifies that I'm feeling it. It's kind of right. like a, paranormal investigator they have little you know gadgets that they use to verify that you know they're feeling they're they have scientific verification of what they're feeling um i would love to have that absolutely love to have that because there are so many people that don't believe in infrasound or challenge it which is fine absolutely challenge ask questions um be skeptical 1000 percent. but i can tell you that this I, that may not be infrasound what ha what is happening to me and mine but something is happening when we are having Bigfoot activity. And so it's kind of, I would love to know if that's what it is um, and verify that even just for myself, but also scientifically, you know. Well, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over time in the 400, um, like, you know, it's a longer conversation, but four different times out in the 400, I've we've had one pinned into position and I've been able to walk out to them 
and get within eight, 10 foot. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had anything like that happen um, during those, you know, during while those things are going on, while we're doing things like that. Um, like when I first came out into the 400, I was still getting those vibes at times. Mm-hmm. But as I've been out there over time, um, I don't know why, I don't know the rhyme or reason, but I'm not getting those those like physical vibes anymore. Um, I think if you think about it, um, you know, your first thought is maybe it's a prey, like a hunter prey situation where they want to, um, because I've had it where I've been very lethargic. Like I will be absolutely freaking terrified one minute and the next I'm lethargic melting into my seat. But I think it's a deterrent. They want you to leave. And I think maybe they've done it to you so much that they're just like, all right, this guy's not going. So we just, we're just not going to do that anymore. Like It's possible, you know, and if they are using it, they just may not be using it on me anymore because they're, mm-hmm. they're okay with me. You know, being or, yeah, you're immune now. They're like, eh, it's not worth it. <laughs> um, you'd think they'd throw rocks. If they really wanted you to leave, they would get you to leave, but maybe well, it's they, just a passive yeah. deterrent. Well, they've, I, I've had rocks thrown around me many times. I have video of me having, you know, baseball size rocks launched mm-hmm. around me. And, um, it's, uh, I mean, we've had rocks thrown into camp all night long. Um, it's, we've had the rock thing happen many, many times, but we don't look at like the rock throwing, for instance, we don't look at that as a, like, I never felt like when they were doing that, like they were trying to scare me away. Mm-hmm. I was felt like they were wanting to see my reaction because I kind of base everything on being predictable for these things. And Mm -hmm. so if they're throwing rocks around me or anybody and you freak out, you know, most people that's going to, they're, it's going to cause some alarm and some fear because there shouldn't be anything in the woods that's throwing rocks. Right. Mm So it's good. There's some natural fear that's going to happen. And, um, I've, I just haven't had that fear since I started this in 2013 because I was so determined to find out and figure out what these things are. Um, so we kind of look at the rock throwing as a way for a way that they have to get a judge on our character, if that makes sense. Right. They throw rocks around you and you freak out and you yell into the woods, pull a gun. They're not going to ever interact with you. You mm-hmm. know, so it's important. Like it's one of the things that's for us, it's important, you know, when things like that are happening, we don't react with fear. We don't react with, uh, you know, any, yeah. any, any, attention uh, whatsoever. You know, we're always calm and collected and chill and, and uh, no matter what they're doing, we, our mindset is we're, we're enjoying it, you know? Yeah. So every, we, yeah. we, with our experiences and the data that we've had in the 400, it seems like a lot of things that they do are to get a judge on your character. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I believe so too. Um, even the passive deterrent of infrasound, you know, it's, are you going to freak out and run? Or are you going to just hang out? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Flat Rock would like to know how many groups or clans do you believe you are seeing in your research area? Uh, in the 400, we're we're pretty just according to our data and the tracks and the track sets that we've gotten over the six years. There's a there's one family group. There's a large male and large female. Um, we've watched their tracks grow over the years. Um, there was originally two juveniles and. Um, a year, year and a half into it, we, we maybe a little longer than that, um, six inch tracks showed up five and a half to six inch tracks. Um, last year we quit finding the tracks of the juveniles and like, it's almost as if they've left the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't find their tracks anymore. And it, that sucks for us. Cause those were the two that were get like interacting with us consistently. And mm-hmm. I was casting their tracks year to year. So we're. Like yeah. I've got their tracks and we're able to show like the, the growth rate. We're able to show like the morphology changes in the foot as the foot grows and how it's starting to flatten out and widen mm-hmm. out. Um, the differences between the male and the female feet at, while, while they're juveniles. Um, their feet look a lot different when they're juveniles. Yeah. Uh, they look they, they look more human. Mm-hmm. And you don't see as much of the mid-tarsal break. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like using the word joint because it's not really a joint. Um, right. You know, so um, we're seeing the interior longitudinal arch, which 
common knowledge and, you know, as far as the academics that are into the feet and the stride and, you know, the, those characteristics, you know, it's, it's thus far, it's been kind of the norm for everybody to think that these things don't have the interior longitudinal arch, but we're seeing that in the juvenile tracks. And, um, a lot of people may not want to hear that, but it is, it is what it is. You know, that's, that's what our tracks show. So are, do you find that the female tracks are longer and thinner than the males? Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's what I found in Arkansas. Um, one of the best tracks I've ever found, it was long and thin like that. And I sent it to a local and he said that was a female. So. I can actually show you a brother and sister, male and female, and the male is younger. Mm -hmm. And here, I feel I'll just I'll grab them real quick. They're right behind. Yeah, me. of course. So these are the set of tracks that we were casting consistently. So this one here, you see that you can see how skinny and long that that heel is. Okay, yeah. so this was a female yeah. juvenile, and this is her younger brother. And you can see like how meaty that track is mm -hmm. compared to yeah. that one. That's that's about what I saw. Well, I mean, it was a lot bigger, but yes, it was a long. It was so skinny, it almost looked alien. Yeah, it was yeah. very odd. Um, yeah. but it was so thin like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but if you look, the the width across the ball is mm -hmm. wider on this track than this yeah. track, even though you can see, you know, it's a much, it's a bigger track, a longer mm -hmm. track, right? Yeah. So we're seeing those pretty consistently. Um, I've been able to find juvenile tracks in three different locations. Mm -hmm. And every single time I'm finding these juvenile tracks, I'm finding them with adult tracks and you can tell you can see the differences in the feet every single time mm -hmm. just just going off of that this the skinniness for in the girth of the young males i see it consistently so that's amazing that's amazing that you you guys can track have had the opportunity to track um well, the family unit the, for that long some of it as far as the tracks goes like we have a we have an area on this creek that runs through the property and there's a mud flat area and during the hot part of the summer, when the water drops, they go out mm -hmm. into these mud flats and they collect mussels. So mm -hmm. every summer, it's just timing for me. I have to I have to be out there when I know the water is down, and mm -hmm. um, all I have to do, like it's not hard. I'm just lucky, I guess, you know. But we you know where to, to look. Yeah, yeah, we go out yeah. to these mud flats and we have pristine tracks. Like those tracks are several years old. I've got tracks now that are just, I mean, immaculate. Mm -hmm. they, they see so much detail in them. You can see the toenails on some of them. Mm -hmm. um, I have a couple tracks that still that have hair sticking out of them. Um, I mean, I've got the last the last trackway that we casted out of had over a hundred tracks in it. Um, I was up in another area uh, several months ago that I got called into, and there were over three hundred tracks of of three different individuals in a mm -hmm. mud flat. Um, That's so, insane. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been real lucky. I've been real yeah. lucky. You know, part of casting tracks is you have to have a good substrate, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's far and few between you just have, yeah. you have to find their tracks in these places where they're going to leave good tracks to be able to cast them. And we've just been lucky enough to have one of those like primo spots in the 400 where mm -hmm. that happens consistently every single year. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of a protected research wise it's a protected area there's i'm assuming there's not a lot of people that go in there and no and there's lots of big so. guns protecting it <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> um thank you for sharing those tracks um yeah, i feel yeah. i feel a little bit validated about my track not that i didn't believe uh, my local researcher that i you know that verified but it's nice yeah. to have that verified from yet another source that's what right, we're well, in it for right so if you if you look at this right so this is where the interior arch would be. Mm -hmm. You can see it there. It's not real predominant, but when you look at this male's foot, mm -hmm. I mean, let me show it like this. Yeah. You can see the arch. That is right. a hard, hard arch. Mm -hmm. And 
like what we're seeing in some of these tracks also is that you know our tracks don't show and say that they have a mid tarsal joint what our tracks show is that they have a flexible foot mm -hmm. um now whether that involves a, a mid tarsal break i you know i don't know i can't say but like the pushback that you hear about i've got like 50 tracks sitting over here out right now mm -hmm. and that i'm you know i just i'm constantly studying them for new details and stuff but some of that pushback will come from the all the way from the ball of the foot sometimes sometimes it'll show you know further back in the casting mm -hmm. um it, it varies it varies on the foot how they're pushing off the substrate like there's so many things that that can affect the track that's left mm -hmm. that you know it's 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 difficult to to pinpoint exactly what's going on of course i'm not a professional but mm -hmm. um i've been working over some time with a biologist out of texas named john morley who is speaking at the the uh, ozark mountain bigfoot conference this year and uh, he's actually written a paper on this particular subject of these things and whether or not they have arches and uh he's used some of our tracks to help with this paper that he's written so awesome. we're we're excited to you know have him involved and be involved with him on that side of things absolutely that's pretty amazing um speaking of which do you want to tell us about that conference? I know that we have, um, I can, I still have like a million questions I could cover. So we may have to have you back for part two again. Yeah, um, but, um, I did, you know, because, uh, I want to get you off here pretty quick, uh, tonight. So what do you have coming up? Um, conferences, any presentations, anything like that? Yeah, so September 16th is the uh, second annual Ozark Mountain Bigfoot Conference. Um, me and me, myself and Randy have, have been helping out. Um, Mary Zeibel is her name, who is having the conference. Uh, she went out on a limb last year and decided to try to have one, and um, it was successful. Um, we were speakers last year. We're, me and Randy are also speaking again this year, along with uh, John Morley, a biologist from Texas. He's giving, he's actually going to be speaking twice. He's going to be giving a presentation on the feet and mm -hmm. he's going to do another pre presentation on the speech because he has audio of these things. Awesome. Uh, chatter, chitter chattering or talking or however right. you want to say it. Um, and That's then we, amazing. Have, we also have Daniel Perez who, uh, you know, is well known from the Bigfoot times. Uh, we have him coming in as a speaker also. Um, it's just a one day conference, but this conference is a little different than what I think most people do. So four days prior to the conference, we have um, a small group of people who are coming in with me and Randy to not the 400. It's another private property location that we research and we've gotten lots of evidence from. We just we spend most of our time in the 400. So this is like our backup. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a small group of people that get to come out research with us, camp out with us for a couple of days. And then um, the third and fourth day, there will be another group of people that will show up and, and join in the fun. And then on day four, the conference happens. So we all come out of the woods, we go to the conference, and then we all go back to the woods mm -hmm. and spend the night again. And, and then we leave the following day. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be really focused on the research versus, you know, hanging out and the get together. Like we, mm -hmm. we put this together to, to get other people involved so they can see how we research and maybe we can learn some things from them, you know, just mm -hmm. uh, be a, a good, a good mash of ideas and, and whatnot. And we get a lot of good stuff on the property. So, you know, we That's hopefully awesome. we'll get lucky and that, that kind of stuff. Um, we got a lot of great sponsors this year, like um, showmebigfoot.com and Sasquatch coffee and, Bigfoot Sock Company and like Wendigo Tea Company and Sasquatch Barbecue Sauce and BigfootProducts.com and like all these people I, I reached out to all these different companies and and like all of them had just said yes and and gotten involved so it's just like the the more we try to involve people the more people are getting involved and helping mm -hmm. out so it's going to be a it's going to be an awesome time this year it's uh, we're really excited about it and and helping Mary grow it and, and move right. forward and uh, try to make it a mainstay. You know, there's, I, I believe, I, I, don't, I can't say this for sure, but I, I think Mary's conference is the first like Bigfoot conference that has been held in Missouri. I could mm -hmm. be wrong on that, but, but uh, you know, if, 
if that is the case, we got to keep it going. We got to keep it around, you know? Yeah. And it's awesome that it's down here in my neck of the woods too. I mean, it's, right. it's uh, you know, 20 minutes from my house. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it handy. Um, oh, yeah, I yeah. know Missouri's kind of next door to me. So, you know, that might actually be one that I can make. So that's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. I, I'm not the, I'm not the speaker type. I've been asked to speak at other conferences and I've, I've never bitten and, and done it. And, um, of course I'm going to do this one, you know, because mm -hmm. all of our research is here in the Ozarks. And so it just would feel, I'd feel like an a-hole if I didn't do this one, you know, <laughs> right. for sure. But, um, it's just kind of not my thing. Um, I'd rather spend that time in the woods researching yeah. and, and, uh, you know, deep diving into the data that we have versus standing up and telling everybody about it. You know, I like, yeah. that's what we're doing here. I'm more comfortable doing it like this versus, you know, live in front of people. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it completely. Um, you know, I don't, I don't go to a lot of conferences. If I do, it's usually to support my people, um, support the conference, the person putting on the conference or one of the presenters, or if I'm presenting. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I go a lot for the camp out that yeah. goes with the conference. Um, right, right. Usually get to research a different area and that's always fun. So that's the Ozark Mountain Bigfoot Conference and it's September 16th is the date of the actual conference. And then the four days prior is the camp out. So yeah. um, I'm assuming they have a Facebook page and everything. They could probably find that yep. on your uh, Facebook page. And then you are also part of a group. Um, yeah, Ozark Mountain Sasquatch. You know, it's, yeah. it's basically me and Randy. Um, yeah. When I when I started it, you know, there, there was um, a couple other people involved. Over time, I've just, I've had to weed through people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, not saying anything bad about the other researchers that I've worked with in the past or anything, but it just didn't, uh, yeah. what what they had and what I had just didn't, didn't mesh well together. And me and Randy are like polar opposites when it comes to our strengths. So it just works. We work well together. We kind of have the same attitude and, and whatnot, you know, so yeah. Um, eventually it, I just narrowed everything down to me and Randy. And we, we do have other people involved, like uh, Dan Nedrolo is part of our team. I um, Dan. Gary Schutte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, Gary Schutte is a part of our team. Uh, he doesn't, mm -hmm. he doesn't, he's not able to get into the like physical part of the research a lot, but he does a lot, mm -hmm. he does a lot of our online stuff and, and uh, he's a website builder and he's, he's, we have a website awesome. that's, it's not quite done yet. It's up, but we haven't like started directing people to it yet. Cause there's still a lot of data and content we, we want to put on it. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. it. It's basically the four of us, you know, and we have, yeah. we have some uh, random people that are kind of on the outside of our tight knit little four person group and uh, that we involve at times. Um, but you know, Dan um, has done field research with us. He's been out in the 400 several times. He's, He's seen them on thermal, watched them on thermal with us. He's watched me walk out to what the, actually if you can ask, you should ask Dan about the story sometime, but the first time we brought him in, he showed up at two 30 or I had him into camp at two 30 AM. And at three 30 AM, we had a juvenile pinned down a hundred yards from us or a hundred feet from us. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I attempted to, to walk out to one of these things and get close and like sit down and, you know, see what would happen. And, he got to be there to witness that after being on the property for an hour. So he was, oh he, my was gosh. he was blown away. That's that seems amazing. to be, it seems to be like a, a common denominator for whatever reason. Um, we have a, a film crew that is working with us. They've been filming with us for the past year. And the, um, the female um, director producer, which there's no direction, there's no directing going on because they're, they're filming a docu-series about us right now. And, mm -hmm. and it's all just a hundred percent real, no BS, you know, no fluff or anything. She's actually, her name's Cynthia Hill. She's an Emmy award-winning documentary filmmaker. Uh, her mm -hmm. recent documentary just came out on HBO. Um, awesome. Called The Burden of Proof. Um, check that out if you haven't seen it. It's a great, great little four-part series. Awesome. Um, but anyway, it was the same thing with them. We, we brought them into the camp last October, the first time they came in. Uh, we had everything set up for them. They had been there maybe an hour. Um, her and the other camera lady decided to go down the trail to find their own spot to, you know, do the dirty. And, uh, <laughs> so they cut between the trail and the creek, which was dried up at the time. And Cynthia just happens to look up towards the creek through the thicket and watches something black run down through the creek. Mm -hmm. 
they'd only been there an hour and she's, she's a skeptic. She came in as a skeptic, which we thought was awesome. You know, have somebody yeah. filming with us. That's a skeptic that we can hopefully in the end, she won't be a skeptic. You know, that's, that's right. What wants, of course. But, uh, you know, we told her when this, when all this came about, we, she was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'll come, I'm going to come down. I want to film blah, blah, blah. You know, if nothing happens, this was her, you know, if nothing happens, you know, it's just, I just really want it to be about you and Randy and why you're so ate up with this. And we said, that's fine. But what's going to happen is you're going to come down here. You're going to see the things we're seeing, you're going to experience and hear all these things that are happening. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you're going to have to be on camera too, because, you know, you're a witness and you're also experiencing these things. And so basically, you know, she was, had to be the first person on camera, which was, was kind of cool. That's amazing. That's amazing to kind of have that happen. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm very jealous right now of, of, of Dan and of her, um, to just show up and just be like, Oh, Hey, here's Bigfoot. And it's like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I haven't had a sighting yet. So I'm, I'm very supportive of them, but I'm also a little bit green right now. Um, but, it, but I, I think that's amazing. Things in the 400 just, it's just a different place that I don't know why things happen like they do out there for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, we've just been, we've been really lucky to be in the situation one and, mm -hmm. um, we've been really lucky to be able to bring other people into the situation. You know, you, you know how it is. A lot of times when you, you bring somebody else in, things kind of shut down Yes. And yeah. in the 400, it's, it's been the opposite. When I first started like putting a group of guys together, from different places and different backgrounds to bring in originally, I assumed everything would shut down and, and it didn't like the first time I brought them in, everything peaked. And that's amazing. The second time I came in, everything was peaking again and just kind of blew my mind, you know, but, um, I had been out there working that situation so much. I think that like they were so used to me being out there consistently that when I brought other people in suddenly, like, I think it piqued their interest. Mm -hmm. you know, um, versus making them more skittish. I think they, it piqued their interest a little bit. Right. So just a weird situation. Every, nothing has happened like you would expect it out there. And that's mm -hmm. the crazy thing about this place. Um, so that's awesome. Sounds like y'all got a little gold mine there that you got to keep cultivating, you know, just like you did with the other one. We do, we do. Um, eventually like we have a long-term goal and, um, mm -hmm. it's a goal that doesn't seem possible, but you know, you have to set your standards high, you know, yeah. but, um, I won't get too much into that, but like, eventually we hope to have up close and personal and consistent footage on 6k camera and thermal mm -hmm. of me sitting within five to eight feet from these things yeah. and uh, interacting with them. And, uh, I think that's a great goal. I think that's, you know, that's on up there. Um, but it's, uh, it sounds like you have a good shot at down the line a few years, maybe, maybe having that happen. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll just say that you know, four times in the 400, I've been within eight to 10 foot. And I've also, uh, I'm getting bored to seeing Shane. Exactly. That's probably, that's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to talk crap on myself. But thank you for that, Cans. I appreciate that. Um, that's funny. It's, uh, the goal seems um, kind of outlandish, but the crazy thing about it is it's like once you're out there and you see the things that we've been able to do in person, that goal doesn't seem so damn crazy. Um, yeah. If I would have thought that we would be doing some of the things that we've done out there six years ago, mm -hmm. I, I mean, like I would have laughed at myself and yeah. like, I'm, I don't even like talking about things unless I have data to prove it. And, yeah. um, the fact that I'm even talking about this and like, and thinking that, that I can pull this off and that Rain, me and Randy can do this is, mm -hmm. um, it's just, it seems crazy, you know, but yeah, that's phenomenal. We've had you know? things, we've had some things happen out there and we think that it's a possibility. It's just, you know, it's a long-term thing, you know, it's, uh, I've been out there for six years and I'm willing to be out there another six years. Mm -hmm. uh, it continues like as long as this continues i'm going to be pushing forward with it and at some point either they're going to miss up they're going to mess up and you know make a big mistake i call it a mistake it would be a mistake on their on part, their part. Right. Great thing for, it'd be a great thing for us you know but um at some point they're going to make a, a bad enough expate a 
bad enough, bad enough mistake that we're going to get some great stuff or it's going to happen, you know, within the ways that we're pushing. So, yeah, uh, I think you have a pretty good shot. And I, I think um, from what I've heard, you guys have a lot going on out there. That's a good sign. Um, I think if it, you know, keeps up and doesn't go dead on you, I think you guys have a good shot of getting some pretty good evidence and data. So, yeah, we just set out a, a new camera actually. Um, so Randy's got these, he's built these audio recorders. They have a microphone hooked up to them even, and it's all inside of a log. He actually just revamped mm -hmm. them. And these logs now are only about this big, mm -hmm. about, about 12 inches long, real bark on them. So like literally we can just drop them and walk away. Yeah. And uh, like we've had these things run by the camera or I'm sorry, uh, run by the, the audio recorders at night, not even realizing they're there. Yeah. Um, but Randy just Randy just finished up a new camera system and uh, he went through three cameras uh, in the testing phase, actually. Oh, my gosh. To, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he put his time and effort in on this one for sure. But it's a cool little system. Uh, it looks like a log. All you can see is this this tiny eyelet. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the motion sensors that set it off are actually wireless and you can hook up to six of them up to it and they will set it. They have to be within about 45 feet of the camera to set mm -hmm. them off. So what that does is that allows us to set the camera off trail and it's just a log sitting there even has like limbs and stuff coming out of it with leaves on it, you know, like real. Yeah. It, we take it out and we take, you know, limbs from everything around it and stuff it in it. Um, yeah. But it enables us to put up to six motion sensors out around the area that we want to catch them coming through. Mm -hmm. And then we can set the camera off trail and uh, get a wider view with it. And right. also, we're actually um, Sunday, we went down and set this camera up for the first time where uh, where the pawpaw trees are. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the pawpaw trees and the, mm -mm. the pawpaw seeds and the scat that we get all the time. But there's pawpaw trees out there. They hit them every year. And we know this, we find the seeds in their scat. Actually, we found their seeds. We found these seeds in their scat all the way through December, which is odd. Hmm. The pawpaws drop in early October and there should be no more pawpaws. They shouldn't be eating pawpaws in December yet. We're finding the, the seeds in their so scat. Hinting towards food storage. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. But, um, so we've basically, we're using the pawpaw trees as the bait now and um they have been going through that area i've been tracking them back and forth through that area i actually got a handprint from the the we have one that has six inch tracks right now out there um we have its tracks and we recently got a handprint from it right out near these pawpaw trees and they're moving through this area a lot right now i think keep an eye on the, keeping an eye on the pawpaws so we're ready for them um we went out and set the camera up and we uh we're going to stay out of the 400 actually for three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. Just let that develop and see if the camera can do what it's supposed to do, you know? And yeah. Not necessarily, we're not necessarily trying to trick them, but we're trying to trick them. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, lull them into a false sense of security a little bit. It'll be, it's fine. It's fine. Right, right. Um, they don't seem to be too perturbed by that, actually. You know, others would probably not go near that area or any area you guys have been, but these don't seem to really care. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting thing. You know, we're hoping that they love these pawpaws so much that they're not going to, that they're going to pay less attention to their environment, you know, when mm -hmm. they come into that area, yeah. it, it seems as though they're keeping an eye on them. So if they are, they're going to be looking up a lot and hopefully that, yeah, that allows us to, uh, put everything not up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right. unlike humans uh bigfoot actually do look up um right, humans right. we we have a bad habit of never looking up which is you know these things the, the young ones do climb in trees a lot i'll just say mm -hmm. that i've seen it i've personally mm -hmm. seen it yeah i've um i've heard a lot of experiences involving that i've had my own experiences involving that um and had some weird weird stuff going on on thermal up in the trees um and uh witnessed what i thought were juveniles in the trees so can confirm kind of awesome. as much as we can anyway all right shane thank you so much for coming on tonight again i want to have you back on um i was thinking maybe after the conference and that way you can tell us how that went 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, maybe on the next one, I'll shoot you some video and some okay. things like that, some thermal absolutely. videos and stuff, and we can uh, have something to look at and discuss. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on again. I wish absolutely. you guys so much luck. I think you guys have an amazing area. It's a little gold mine. I think uh, y'all are going to do great. Um, with what you got going on. You seem to have the right mindset and everything about it. So that's half the battle. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Good night. Bye. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Thank you all for supporting Shane and Randy in the chat and through your likes and sub subscribes, comments, everything. Um, be sure to go check out the uh, conference if you're in the area. I think it's, it sounds like it's going to be a great conference. Um, and don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using to watch this show. Um, leave a comment. And if you really enjoyed the show, go leave a positive review because they kind of make my day. Um, thank you guys. I hope everybody is staying safe, being kind, and I will see you guys next time.